You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Speaker, PodBay, and more. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And I'm going to bring in my two team members. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how does it go this week? Uh, it's going pretty good so far. How's it going for you, Miranda? It is going well. I am so excited to talk to both of you this week because we have so much interesting news to cover, literally, again, across the gambit. So why don't we do that with the third member of our team, and that's who? 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 <laughs> it's who? the one and only Brendan Barr. That's right. Uh, so I, I just have feel that Dusty is visiting in law, so he seems to be a little bit uh, slow on the uptake, but he really is here. I promise you, it's not a he robot is. that we uploaded. Yeah, <laughs> not just a bunch of yeah. clips that I've, I've put together from the past year of, of the show. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure. That's how you know when I'm on vacation, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what happens when we replace Dusty. It's that whole John Lennon thing, you know, if something (laughs) happens with one of us, there's at least a year's worth of clips, so we can put something together that will. Yeah. From a permanent vacation. (laughs) <laughs> no. no, no such thing. We're nope. not talking about those things. We are, we, are, you know, you're gonna yeah. be here forever. Heck yeah! I hope so. Good. Well then, so shall it be written? So shall it be done? It's not written. Oh. I guess I have to write it down on a post-it, <laughs> and then it can be written. So I don't know. I don't know if that's legally binding on a post-it. <laughs> I mean, who says it needs to be legally binding? We're not talking about the laws of man. We're talking about the laws of nature. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's deep. Well, before we get too off the rails, let's get started. Too late. Too late. 
too late now. There's always there's always a way. There's always a way to get back. <laughs> and the way to get back is through the road back to shows with it's Brendan. True. It's true. We're we're gonna start there. And Mexico City is green. Oh. I'm, I'm right. Right? Yeah, I'm I'm a little shocked by this revelation. Um you know, everybody's got opinions on it. There are people that are saying it's a political move. Other people are saying that, you know, it, it are just saying it's about darn time. Uh, I want to be, I want to go over this. Cubs fan put this up too. Uh, so there, it's in writing what the breakdown is over at, uh, Lucha Blog if you want to read it. But basically green means that, uh, you can start having things. It's not everything's back to normal, but you can really start having the, the return to things. So, uh, for Lucha Libre, this is going to mean that Arena Mexico, which is the kind of largest arena that they're going to have, can go from having events with 500 people to 1,500 people starting June 24th. So um, we should start seeing that. That's still That still might not be enough for AAA, but I will let Dusty talk on that later because he's probably got more detailed information than I do on that. But still good news. Mexico City being green. Mexico, uh, in general, the the government seems to be moving towards allowing more things to happen. So we're starting to see more people at shows uh, or, or people being allowed at shows. And that sounds like it's going to be a bit of the theme of things that are going on this week, uh, such as um, Chaos has announced that they're going to have a show in a baseball stadium. Uh, so s- 620, uh, Estadio de Baseball Monterrey in, uh, Monterrey Nuevo Leon is gonna have, they have a Chaos and AAA branded show. And there's, uh, six matches that are gonna go on there. Uh, I'm sorry to Mr. Iguana who looked like he was in the main event on the first poster we saw. He's now kind of upper mid card, but, uh, uh, we've got, uh, some hot up and comers that you might have heard me talk about. We've got Charo Negro, Commander, Viano 3, Junior, Toxin, and Dinamico in the opening match. We've got Black Widow and Sexy Star. This would in theory be the new Sexy Star because when, uh, the old Sexy Star worked for, uh, for uh, Chaos, she worked under the name Sexy Dulce, so that's we're going with that. And they're going to be in a match with Lady Flammer and Reina Dorada. And then uh, Indy's star that you might have heard us talk about a few times in the road back to shows, uh, Cyclope, Media Extremo, uh, and Tai and Lord Byron and Galactar and Rico Rodriguez and the next one. And now we start getting into some of the really kind of interesting names. We have, uh, Fabi Apache, Larry Miranda and Toscano against Dulce Canella, Lady Shawnee and Mr. Iguana. So there he is. There's our friend. And then, uh, in the, 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 uh, just below the main event, we have El Dragon and Emperador Azteca with Hijo del Imposter against Hijo del Vikingo, 
Mysticies Jr. and Octagon Jr. So that promises to be a a, a high flying adventure. Yes, yes. Big fan <laughs> of Hijo de Impostor. I've seen him wrestle out here, and he's just fantastic, especially uh, with all of those guys in that match. Very yeah. much going to be a high flying match. Yeah, that's it's. I mean. Uh, other people have different opinions on the way this card is set up, but I feel like that is going to be your highlight reel match that, that is going to help draw fans to Chaos Wrestling because uh, you're going to have people doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then our main, we have Fresario Jr. Uh, versus Conan Big, Rey Scorpion, Demonio Infernal, and DM, DMT Azul in the... Uh, for the heavyweight uh heavyweight championship is what I have listed here. So it's a it's a kind of a big multi man match for the for the title. Uh Conan Big is gonna be in it, which means that they're trying for a really big crowd because he's always really big in Monterey crowds. Uh we will we will see uh, if that helps their attendance any. I, I expect that uh more than likely they're gonna they're gonna go to capacity just because people wanna go outside. But uh having your bonus of of having kind of a, a, a couple of really big names and some really interesting looking matches is good. Uh they also announced, Chaos did this week, that they have a deal now with uh Laredo based uh promotion Lucha Maniacs. So that may mean we start seeing some of these guys working a little north of the border. Uh, which would make them a lot more accessible to listeners of this show. Uh, I don't know about, uh, about you guys, but for me, Laredo, Texas is a lot easier for me to get to than, uh, <laughs> than Monterey. As much as I want to go to Monterey, I, uh, it's a little difficult right now, especially. But with green, we yeah. might open up those restrictions. Oh, sorry, Dusty. No, I still say, yeah, Laredo would be something I could go to as well. And so, like, I'm excited some shows there soon. Yeah. Yeah, you're actually, you'd actually be able to get there fairly easy. I don't think, I, I think I'd have to buy a plane ticket still. But, um, yeah, very interesting stuff. And then... It seems like the road back to shows has been dominated in the past few weeks by talking about Federation Wrestling, and boy, do I have a bunch of stuff for you this week. Uh, we've got the the uh, Federation added the Briscoe Brothers into the main event. They will be on the the team of PJ Black and Matt Taven against La, La Faction Ingo Bernable or the Ingo Bernables, however they, they're branding themselves. Right now we just know that it's going to be uh, Roosh and and uh, whatever collection. I believe Andrade was in there. Uh, whatever collection of those guys they decide to put up there. So already going to be kind of interesting. Um, they've changed up the women's match a little bit. Uh, it now looks like we're going to have Ayoka, Ay- Ayako Hamada, Tay Conti, and, uh, Therius versus Miranda Alize, Reina Dorada, and Zuxis. Uh, Red 
off the card now. Um, maybe there's other issues. Maybe that AEW contract is getting in the way. I don't know. Uh, more info on that if we find anything out. Uh, they've added Heidi. It's uh, a little odd. I'm not sure that it's H-E-D-D-I. It still seems like Heidi to me, but I, I'm going to get corrected, I'm sure. Uh, Karul, Heidi Karul is in Copa Federation and, um, the kind of, ex- the kind of interesting surprise to me was, uh, they uh, finally announced the third person for the, uh, Ray Horus Flamita match, which is Hijo del Octagon. Uh, a lot of people were not expecting this person, so there was, uh, a bit of surprise and all of, on all of that. Um, uh, we, uh, I, I, uh, am excited to see what he can do. I haven't actually seen him in action yet, but he's got, he's got a, a big name legacy he's carrying around and they're putting him on a Federation show in kind of a, an important spot. So be interesting to see, to see what they do with him. And then breaking news as the show was getting ready to start. So I haven't confirmed what he said yet, but the Federation put up a video with, uh, Tarantes, the original Tarantes that was in AAA back in the day, saying a bunch of things. Um, I'm assuming that means he's going to be at the show, but I don't know in what capacity yet. Hopefully he's a nice evil referee because that's how I, I, I've always thought of him is he's <laughs> my favorite referee that I love to hate. Um, moving on, cause I just got a note, got, uh, yeah, I just got a note here. We've got some, uh, and we've got the Zona 23 that we talked about was, that was going to have GCW. They've announced that they're going to have Nick Gage, Shiax, Alex Cologne, and Jimmy Lloyd. Showing up at the, that show that they're going to be doing, uh, on 718. And, uh, I'm gonna jump on down here. We've got, uh, some more fun for people coming back to wrestling. Shine Wrestling has, is returning June 18th. They're gonna be broadcasting their event on Fight TV. And we're going to have, uh, in the semi-main in the main, we're going to have the tag team championship defended, Kimberly and Stormy Lee against Allison Kay and Marty Bell. So not exceptionally lucha, but the other match that we're getting, Ivelisse herself is going to defend the Shine Nova Championship against Natalia Markova. So there you go. Uh Welcome back, Shine Wrestling, and I look forward to seeing that title getting defended um yeah yeah and then uh, real quick we didn't we don't have a lot of time left on this segment but uh we did have an announcement of a retirement that was a big news story this week uh leo rush who uh he's not still an ml or still a uh triple a champion i think he is not yeah, <laughs> we finally settled on that. But he has worked with AAA. He was uh at recent pay-per-view events for them. 
he announced that he's planning to retire. This is his second retirement in the last two to five years, so I'm a little bit skeptical that he's going to stick with it, but that is what he said so far. That is, I mean, just on the independent (laughs) promotion level, it definitely did impact bookings that he's had scheduled, um, including one here out west for FSW. Um, So it definitely had a domino effect, I'm sure, for independent promotions. In the announcement that he did make on social media, specifically Instagram, he did mention he's still going to have some New Japan dates that he's contractually obligated uh, too, but we did see comments from both Tony Khan and Court Bauer pretty much acknowledging that the, his retirement, um, and uh, acknowledging that, yeah, he, he they respect his desire to retire and nothing but that. So I can understand this is not Brendan is the second time he's done, but. Pretty serious if he's already um, established in dates, um, you know, both the, the two companies that he for um, have made this announcement and, um, you know, just, just the response to it. But and he still has some dates for New Japan that he will still wrestle, so that will be very interesting to see how those are handled um, and then how those are going to work out for him. So I'm just gonna have to recap real quick. I don't. I I hope it came out normal on on uh, on our recording side, but it was kind of choppy for me. Uh, Miranda, it sounded like you were saying that uh, he has been missing some dates, uh, but he's slowly working his way back down. Is that what I'm? Uh, well, just that he still has uh, dates with New Japan. He has to to make. Okay. Okay. But he and he so he's canceled the rest. I follow. You know, yes. What you were, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I that, again. That's kind of how it goes when he when uh, I shouldn't just say when a wrestler decides suddenly that they can't work or legitimately can't work because of reasons. I do want to emphasize that that this is he had an injury, but it was not a career-ending injury. Uh, it was, uh, it, it is, uh, it's just a shoulder injury that, uh, to his statement said, helped him reassess his priorities. So that's the, that's what's going on there, which would, does leave the door open for him to come back if he changes his mind in a little while. Um, he, we'll see what he does. He's, uh, he was all over the Indies. We were talking about that on the sh- on the the prep. Like he's done everything. He did AAA. He did MLW. He did. Uh, he was uh, just at uh, AEW as the the wild card. He's he is the guy right now. And to just suddenly retire like that does leave a big void. Uh, so you know, making it all very interesting. Go moving moving forward on this road back to shows. Uh, that's that's uh, I'm gonna go with that for for my capstone for road back to shows this week. We there was a, a bit more news, but uh, I I can roll that all into next week because that's the best place to stop right there. This is gonna be interesting moving forward. 
without the man with the, at the forbidden door, as Dusty put it. So. Yeah, Leo really is the forbidden door. He was he given is. permission. He, he was given permission by New Japan to work AEW, MLW, and American Indies, and that almost never happens. Like that is so rare. And yeah, it's just interesting. That might have contributed to this to the uh, more sense of a nagging injury that it, he's got too. Yeah. He just may have been working way too hard. Yes. All right, so that was our road back to shows. Uh, we, as we're moving forward, hopefully we'll be we will be focusing less on uh, on on pandemic measures and more on interesting news in the world of wrestling that's not related to the to the biggest promotions. Uh, now let's move on into the indie roundup. Um, I actually only have one event that I got this week, uh, partly because I've been kind of busy here, but you know, as always, if you have stuff for me, please submit and I will, uh, take a look when I can. Uh, so IWRG, we're back to talking about you because it's legal for you to have shows and you're putting on some interesting ones. Uh, th- this was a show for IWRG that was heavily influenced by the lack of Passion Crystal after the unfortunate accident at the beach. So they announced that the tournament that Passion Crystal was a part of has been canceled, uh, which is probably the best way to handle it because the, the team that the Passion Crystal was a part of not being able to be part of it would be obvious and would kind of mar the event for whoever won it at this point. Um, so I'm going to start midway through because they did have five matches and IWRG loves a lot of multi-man matches. So there's just a lot of names and a lot of facts to go through. Uh, we had Black Incognito, Fly Warrior, and Toxin against Freelance, Mexica, and Mini Rey Mysterio. Uh, the Black Incognito, Fly Warrior, and Toxin came out on top on this. Uh, I mean, as we, as we move, as we talk more about in the Indie Roundup, you're gonna, you're gonna start hearing some of these names a lot. Fly Warrior and Toxin in particular have been ones to keep an eye on. Uh, so, uh, the highlight should be up on Mas Lucha at this point, as well as I think they put something on Lucha Central. It's kind of a spot match and kind of should be an interesting watch for a lot of people. After this match, they did honor Passion Crystal. Uh, Mamba, who was not on the show, uh, was specifically was called out by uh, the Lucha blog for, for being there as well as many of the other wrestlers that were part of the show. So there was a little bit of a, a honoring moment there. And then uh, after they got the ring cleared, they started another multi-man match, which was Guerrero Maya Jr., Hio Del Fishman, Mascara Sagrada Jr. against Demonio Infernal, Fresario Jr., and Fulgore. Um the uh the Guerrero Maya Hero Del Fishman and Mascara Sagrada came out on top on this. 
this was kind of a shuffled around match. This was in going to be in the place of the tournament match. Uh, I haven't seen many highlights on it, and I didn't hear how the finish actually happened. But again, all of those names, I really that's one I want to hunt down. And then in our main, we had Jessica Ventura against Diosa Atena, Susie Love, Zorarita, Diva Salvaje, Diosa Quetzal, Mary Caporo, Estrella Divina, Bengali, and Zoe Ramuda. And this was a cage match with uh, hair on the line. And Jesse Ventura did get, get the win on here. But I don't have in my notes who got their head, haircut. That's uh, – I apologize. I missed out on that. Um, that was the main event. Uh, the IWRG loves to do this. Cage matches with multi-people in it. And the uh, last person in the cage – is the person who gets their their haircut. So very interesting match. Um, that's my indie roundup. Right now we uh, we uh, are still winding our way back up, but from the sound of it, we're going to have a lot of shows coming up. There's uh, the, you know Federation is a little ways off, but we've got Robles and Nacion and Shines coming back. So we will have lots of indie coming up very soon. So now is your time to get your indie show featured before I start really having to to cut for time. To shows and the indie roundup. We will give out Brendan's information at the end of the show, all of our information at the end of the show, in case you are an independent wrestler, promotion, or fan who would like to be featured in a future edition of the indie roundup. But up next, well, we have... This week's Lucha Central Central with Denise Salcedo. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. 
On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic. The Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. And as always, a big thank you to Denise Salcedo, who lets us know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Up next, Dusty is bringing us some AAA news, including some exclusive news about Verano de Escándalo. Yeah, we found out this week on Conan, Keeping It 100 with Conan, not just Conan's podcast, Keeping It 100 with Conan, that <laughs> AAA had locked in July 3rd for their next pay-per-view, Verano de Escandolo, The Summer of Scandal. There wasn't much other information currently released, but if I understand the current regulations correctly, they would technically be able to have at least 1,500 fans at the show. However, it's hard for these shows to make any money at 1,500 attendees, and due to the recent green status, they may be able to raise that cap by an additional 1,000. So this could be the first show back with a bigger crowd that we're used to seeing. But there's also a strong possibility that they're holding off on fans until Triple Mania and banking on that really being a money-making show. The lack of advanced ticket sales is a big sign for that, like – there's already ticket sales for Triple Mania. They've been announced for a while. If we were going to find out that the tickets were on sale for Ronald DeScondolo, it probably would have happened. So it's looking like this may be our last AAA pay-per-view of the pandemic, no fans era. And either way, it'll be an interesting transition towards the crowds and that lucha crowd noise that we love. And we'll keep following up with announcements for the show the match card, and for the crowd and any fan regulations that are announced for the event as well. I'm excited for for all of this. I'm excited for the pandemic era to come to an end. Yes. Oh, me too. <laughs> I miss those Vizula horns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How we live in a world where we never thought we would miss Vizula horns, but yet here we are. <laughs> Great. I mean, we're definitely going to get more news about Verano de Escandolo. We're going to have some even later on in the show. So make uh-huh. sure you stay tuned. Make sure you listen because that is going to be a thread throughout the show. Uh, but Dusty, up next, a big week, too, again in AEW. Would you mind just taking us through it? Yeah, well, first up, we have more in- news about Phoenix's injury. He suffered a groin injury. And, again, they're claiming a match in Mexico, but he hasn't wrestled in Mexico since February. So 
it's interesting. But they say he could be out. Most reports said four weeks from now, but it could be six to eight weeks because it sounded like that was the the total estimation on the injury. But nobody's really sure when it occurred. So, you know, anywhere between four (laughs) and eight weeks from now, we'll see Phoenix back. So mysterious. yeah, they, it was finally acknowledged on Dynamite this week within a storyline. I'll get to that, but we'll keep everybody posted on the actual injury. It's certainly interesting. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's unusual. It's a bizarre situation. He's living the gimmick. He's a mysterious masked man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but that leads us into the, the wrestling. We got luchadors to talk about. And first up on Monday night, we have Dark Elevation. And this week, the main event was Sheeta versus Diamante. This was such an excellent and hard-hitting match. The biggest takeaway from this match for me was that Diamante was more than capable of hanging with the former world champion. Diamante looked more than credible after this match. I mean, it was just fantastic. It's so exciting to see her not only getting the main event, but doing so strongly and showing so well and holding her own. Uh, Sheeta was champion just a couple weeks ago, the longest reigning AEW women's champion. And this match could have gone either way. It, it was really blow for blow. There were many near falls that, you know, really amped up the suspense where you thought Diamante was going to get the win. She was in control of the match a lot. It's which is really exciting for somebody who's been a Diamante fan for a long time yeah. to, to get to see this match. Eventually, Diamante kind of lost her rhythm. That allowed Sheeta to take advantage of the moment and win with the Katana kick. But Dark Elevation is all about elevating talent. And even though Sheeta won, of course she did. She's the longest reigning women's champion. But the fact that Diamante got the main event and had such a strong showing and so much offense against Sheeta leads me to believe that they've got plans for Diamante on Dynamite. I am so here for that. Like, uh, this is what I've been waiting for ever since they won the tag tournament. She also got to be on the mic on that show too and was looking really polished in her mic spot so yeah they're they seem to be building her up yeah absolutely and and doing a great job of it not just building her up but it feels very natural and very subtle in its way and i mean you can tell she's on the way up but yeah it's really good i i highly recommend her match to everybody and then we had tuesday dark and first up in our two highlight matches we had matthew justice versus Angelico. Angelico and and his abs accepted a $4,200 (laughs) offer. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding. He's back there with his shirt open. I have never seen abs like this. It's insane. I mean, he's bringing the people what they want, and they want Angelico's abs. I mean, (laughs) but yeah, he accepted a $4,200 offer from Matt Hardy backstage to wrestle Christian Cage on Dynamite this week. That's exciting. Great CTH2 on there. But then Matt Hardy offered more than double to take out Christian Cage, raising the stakes to 84.50. Just barely more than double, but more than double. And then Helico <laughs> accepts this. Uh, that leads us to our match. Matthew Justice in his AEW debut, he looked good. He had a great look he got in a lot of offense but then he crashed into the barricade and then his offensive momentum was just lost he never was able to regain it he tried to do a splash 
attempt from the top rope and just belly flopped after Angelico was able to roll away. And then Angelico seized that moment and transitioned it into the Navarro death roll for a win. Great match. Great to see TH2. Jack Evans was there backstage. Great spot. Then we had... Megan Bain versus Thunder Rosa, and right away commentary mentions that Thunder Rosa has a win over Britt Baker and basically says that the rematch between the two is inevitable. And then we get our match, and Rosa was just incredible. She showed herself to be a real submission expert in this match. She used every opportunity she had to turn Megan Bain's size into strength advantage against her. And then she hit this amazing surprise ankle lock at the end for the win it's nice to see a move that you don't often see as a finisher because it gives you that feeling that it could end at any time great stuff loved that thunder rosa is just amazing at kicking ass and then she used the end of her match to challenge Britt baker and i cannot wait to see their rematch for the title like that is my favorite feud in wrestling right now i've mentioned it before but i get the fight forever vibe from thunder rosa and Britt baker and i am just terribly excited to see that continue i mean it's uh, so good and they're both so good at what they do and playing yeah it's just fantastic but that leads us to Friday Night Dynamite. Dynamite is on Friday again this week. As I mentioned, Friday, June the 11th, we will see Angelico versus Christian Cage. So you'll definitely want to check that out. But on the June 4th edition last week, we had Death Triangle, Pinta, El Zero, Miedo, and Pac versus the Young Bucks. This was a non-title match. And I can only assume that it was a non-title match because of the ranking system within AEW and you know, Death Triangle doesn't have a great ranking yet within the tag team, especially the Pack and Penta version. And so they just hadn't earned that distinction of a title match with their current standing. The Bucks apparently attacked Ray Phoenix backstage before the match or earlier in the day, which set up the angle for the injury he's been dealing with. So at least now it's been acknowledged. I believe it was shown on Being the Elite, but I haven't seen it yet. I just heard it was on there. So it's it's possible. Um, yeah, I this match was not for me. My main issue <laughs> is it's my general complaint with the Bucks. It devalues everybody's finisher when the Bucks take eight of them, including a fear factor from Penta on the apron to Matt Young Buck. Like, and he just kicks out like, mm, I don't care for this. Uh, the Bucks were able to escape with the victory when a distraction came from Brandon Cutler by grabbing. Pack's leg, and that allowed Nick Young to roll pack, or Nick Young Buck, sorry, Nick Jackson, he's Nick Young Buck, to roll pack <laughs> up for the win. The Bucks kept attacking after the bell, and Eddie Kingston, despite his weird history with Penta, comes in and makes the save. Uh, like I mentioned, this match was not for me. I don't like the Bucks' superpowers where they kick out all the time. And I did not like the fact that Death Triangle needed to save at the end, that they couldn't hold their own against the Young Bucks. Because look at Pac. Like, there's no way either one – both Jacksons couldn't take him on at the same time, realistically. So I, I didn't care for that. But then we had our main Lucha moment on Dynamite. We had Vicky Guerrero come out. She really got the crowd <laughs> riled up and mad, and she just casually mentions – here comes Andre El Idolo, and the crowd no-sells it. There's no music. The crowd doesn't react. 
I mean, they were booing Vicky so loudly, I'm not even sure they noticed. And, I mean, it was just baffling to me that that's how they chose to have him debut. And he came out and he cut pretty much the same promo that everybody cuts. You know, I'm here to to do things. But he did say a lot of things that I enjoyed. He said that he used to say that he was – you know, for the Latinos, that's who he was here for, for the luchadors. But now he's here for AEW. He's here for everybody. I did like that. But otherwise, uh, Conan mentioned it on his podcast that they just really dropped the ball with Andrade's entrance and his debut. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. sure what ha- happened he- there. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, he compared it to the AAA thing that they did, where Andrade comes out and he talks about he's first off he doesn't come out to ringside. He it was a clip that they ran at AAA, and he said you know he runs down his list of like being a champion at the age of like eighteen, I believe it was, while dressed like a suave gentleman, and I mean it's just a together package that presents. A whole image. You know what he's about, and and he tells you straight up that he wants, uh, like he said, uh, what, the line that Conan liked was, "Why is a Mexican championship on a Canadian? Why is the? I think he said mm-hmm. the most important Mexican championship. Yeah, see, Miranda heard it. She knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then what we got, like you said, it was kind. Of, I mean, it was good for what he for what he basically the nothing he said. It was good. It was very much proof that. Vince was wrong and he really can make a promo work with his, with his, uh, uh, amount of English because I, I did feel something, but you're right. It was just a generic, I'm here to, to be important in AEW and, uh, not even I'm going to win the championship, just I'm going to be the face of AEW, which kind of implies a championship. Yeah. But, but no music, no, uh, you know, no real fanfare. Vicky, uh, we talked about this off air. Vicky is a, a not really my favorite choice for a, a, a manager or promoter or whatever she's going to be with him because right. she's, she's, uh, in reality, she is a highly respected member of the wrestling community, very influential with help, especially the Spanish speaking talents. In on AEW TV, she's the screeching, yeah, uh, the, the the screeching lady that hangs out with Nyla and and nobody likes her. Like that's, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting choice, but I don't know that I like it. Miranda sounds like she, she's biting, charming at the bit to say something, so. No, just I I agree with pretty much everything you said. It's kind of an odd choice. I think that lineage-wise, having someone from the Guerrero family introduce him, which was what I think the intention was, um, made sense. But when you look at the character of Vicky Guerrero, who, one, isn't really consistently on TV, and two, is much more of a comedic role or has been more of a comedic role, that it sent a lot of mixed messages. So I feel like this whole introduction 
was a variety of mixed messages. There wasn't any music. There wasn't a strong introduction. You weren't sure what the alliance is or was between Vicky and Andrade. Other than in AEW, everyone needs to have a manager or everyone needs to be a part of a faction. Um, it's kind of a rule, apparently. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I think all of those things kind of made the reveal just confusing for fans not really sure what to think yeah. and there is aw again most of those fans are really aew fans so mm-hmm. they probably aren't aware of um you know what's happening in triple a with andrade versus kenny omega this may be the first they even heard of it so i think just because that fan base may not be as familiar as uh, other fan bases um whether that's even just who he is, um, you know, I think that it, it it could have been done better. And I think all of those reasons, all of those factors made it just a confusing moment for fans. Yeah, I agree. It was, yeah, it just, and well, and like, not, maybe I'm wrong, but I want to cheer Andrade. I'm excited to see him. Like, that was a moment of celebration, but the, Vicky is, the biggest heat magnet I've ever seen in person. People just love to boo her. And so it's weird to set Andrade up that way too, in my opinion. Like it, I don't know. They had Excalibur acknowledge on commentary that he'd won pretty much every CMLL title there was. He'd won the IWGP junior heavyweight. That was cool, but they gave us no sense of who Andrade is or is going to be in AEW at all. And so it, it all felt very strange to me. Well, uh, unfortunately, that's kind of normal for them, like, uh, to, to look at their track record on that. We still have no sense of what Christian Cage's identity is going to be like. Um, we know that he's currently in nice guy mode because he shook hands with Jungle Boy rather than beating the tar out of him after, after the, uh, the loss there. But yeah, we, we really have no clear sense of identity or purpose for him. Uh, Penta, who we constantly rail on what they're doing with him. One week he's a heel, the next week he's a face. Uh, I mean, like, they just, they don't seem to have a consistent game plan. And that is one of the reasons I was not really excited for the possibility of Andrade being in AEW. I was excited right. when they announced him because I do want to see him on my television screen more. Oh, me too. But, uh, mm-hmm. there was, uh, there, there, uh, there were other. I wanted to like if he'd gone to Ring of Honor, which I mean, it turns out from the rumors they just couldn't afford him. Uh, this, uh, y- they would have done things with him. They would have. They, I mean, he would have probably been in LFI. He would have been in championship matches. They would have had. They would have had stuff for him, like meaty, noticeable stuff. And MLW to that extent probably would have done a similar thing too and again if he even talked with mlw i don't know they probably just couldn't afford him 
That would be my guess as well. And it seems like something else that was very important to Andrade and, and the reason that he hadn't even signed until now. I, apparently Tony Khan had been talking to him since literally the day after he was released. But Andrade was very strong about wanting creative control and full veto power over which jobs he did. And that caused negotiations to slow because in AEW, Tony Khan is the end-all be-all. You can offer him your input. But the final decision lies with him. There was initially a quote that he had a limited amount of creative control for how his matches end. And maybe that's just kind of being in the ear of Tony Khan and Tony Khan makes the final decision. But they also said that Andrade wanted the ability to work for certain U.S. companies other than WWE on a per-appearance deal. And it was rumored that, like, Ring of Honor could meet the appearance deal, Impact could meet the appearance deal, but they didn't have the cash to get Andrade mm-hmm. full-time. Yeah. And so with that door opened, especially right now, I think we could see Andrade several places. But that also opens the question, now that he's with AEW and that he has the ability to go all these places, what what's going to happen at Triple Mania between him and Kenny Omega? I mean, Andrade's – it seems like AAA wants Andrade to win. Andrade's going to want to win. Psycho Clown yeah. is already talking like their match is going to be a title match. But how – especially now that he's – that he's AAA and AEW, how do you get him to beat Kenny Omega, get the title off of Kenny Omega, especially if that gets him in trouble back in the States with AEW? I mean, it- well, so they could, they can do this in a very particular manner, but especially since they haven't made a big deal out of the Mega Championship belt. Like, of all the ones, the only reason they bring the name up is because that's the one that Kenny Omega hits people with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he could that, win. <laughs> yeah, it's got that big cast center plate. It's perfect for hitting people. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very satisfying <laughs> to see him, somebody get hit with that. It's very true. Um, but so they can have him win the, the mega championship at, at Triple Mania and make him look like a legitimate threat for the person that's going to take the, take all of the belts off the belt collector and, and build story that way. But again, that relies on them doing consistent storytelling, and I am not overly optimistic that that's a thing that they can do right now. So, I don't know. Every time I talk about cool things that AEW can do, they run the other direction. So, I'm going to stop. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, it seems like they're trying to follow that WWE line of kind of trying to upset us with their decisions rather than make it satisfying. <laughs> okay. Story choices and character choices. Uh, So it'll, yeah. It'll be interesting going forward. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hopefully this Friday, June the 11th, you may have already seen Dynamite by the time you hear this. We haven't seen it yet, but hopefully we'll get to see some more Andrade and maybe a little bit of character exposition for him. Yeah. Uh, Get a feel for him. This could be the chance where they kind of do a 180 and they do more of a proper introduction of him. I think, too, the interesting thing is we don't really know how long the contract is and how long he'll be there. So he may this may just be something to help him get through uh, to Triple Mania, because also this is the story they're telling now. But what happens after Triple Mania? Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, who who does he go against after? And, and that's what makes me worried, too, because. If he wasn't really that happy about who he was facing in WWE, 
I don't know if he's looked at that roster, but I don't think he's going to have much uh, of a competition uh, on the AEW roster as well. You know, he he's going straight to the top with Kenny, but after a program with Kenny, there isn't much left. Um, he'll, he'll, he can have some great matches and he can, you know, be on TV weekly, but I don't think that's going to translate to, you know, at least off the top of my head, there isn't anyone on the roster that I instantly think, oh, they should face, you know, and some of it may be because I'm tired and I just don't. Uh, <laughs> there's there's uh, a very short list and there. Uh, we already list. talked about them exactly. on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Short list. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, anyways, just just some very interesting points about what it could could happen. But, um, yeah, the results for all of those AEW shows are available on LuchaCentral.com. If you missed out, you can go there to get your results. Speaking of results, Brendan, you have some CMLL results to share. Um, yes. Uh, so CMLL seems to be doing trying to keep this uh, pay-per-view thing going. So I'm going to continue res- reporting results from the pay-per-views because they are they do have other programming on. They are uploading their TV episodes and the Guadalajara stuff is usually a few weeks behind. Uh but but the pay-per-views that they're trying to do every week are, are my major focus. And again, when we get to the feedback stage, if you don't want to hear more on these pay-per-views, let me know if you if you want to hear about the TV tapings too. Let me know on that, but uh, that's where I'm at right now. So they did have an eye pay per view taping once again on uh, Ticketmaster Mexico. They had six matches. The opening match was Akuma and Espanto Jr. Uh, against Sangre Imperial and Sonic. Uh, and Akuma and Espanto Jr. got the win on that one. You had uh, Magia Blanca and uh, El Quixote in a lightning match. Magia Blanca got the win on that one. Uh, then the ladies came out, Mar- Marcella and Princesa Sugihit against Dallas and Stephanie Vacker. And I don't know who took the pinfalls on this one, but I'm willing to bet that Dallas did not. Uh, Marcella and Princess Sugihit came out on top on that one. Uh, then you had the... Uh, Dark Magic, Okamura, and Vangelis against uh, El Audaz, Fugaz, and Guerrero Maya Jr. And the the Rudos came out on this one. Dark Magic, Okamura, and Vangelis. Uh, so now we're up to the last couple. This is usually where they, they do more multi-man and they pull out some of the bigger names. So we had Blue Panther Jr., The Panther, and Valiente against Quatrero. Gamelio Diablo 1 and Gamelio Diablo 2. So this time it was not a Relevos Incredibos. You had all Rudos on one side, all Technicos on the other side. Uh, but the new tag team of uh, Gamelio Diablo uh, 1 and 2 seems to be really getting put through their paces. They're getting put into more and more matches. They came up just short on this one. The the Technico Panther team came out on top on this one. Uh, and then our main event, we had Caristico, Misico, and Volador Jr., a trio they love to run. And uh, the fans don't seem to be tired of them yet. Against uh, Angel de Oro, Euphoria, and Terrible. So uh, technically it's a Relevos Incredibles, but I mean, it's also kind of uh 
this Nuevo Ingobernables plus Euphoria, so I don't, I don't know. But uh, I didn't have to worry about it too hard because Caristico, Mystico, and Volador came out on top on this one. Uh, again, the, the, they aren't giving us a lot of options for replays on these, but I'm hearing rumors that more of these are going to get uploaded to YouTube. But as always, we have all of the written results with more detail on the uh, LuchaCentral.com webpage. There's been more reviews of these. So. Those are your CMLL results. This week for Mass Republic, a reminder to go get like a luchador at your local bookstore or where books may be sold, including online. They seem to be selling like hotcakes. There are several reviews out there already. And again, we talked about it last week. We have been talking about it for weeks now, but it is such a fantastic book. It is part uh, cookbook. It is part photography book. It is part uh, biographical book uh, and reference book. So, so much in just one book. So, again, Eat Like a Luchador is available now for purchase um, at your local bookstores where books are sold and online. It is something, just something spectacular. So make sure you check <laughs> it out. Any other Mass Republic updates? Uh, no, I didn't have a whole lot this week. They are still heavily focusing on Eat Like a Luchador, and deservedly so. Mm-hmm. We have talked about just what a great book it is many times over, but uh, uh, more pictures have been uploaded online, and I've been able to see a lot more of the interiors of these books. So uh, I'm oh, this book, it's not a series of books, uh, God, yet. <laughs> I don't need to spend more money. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, uh, mostly what we've been hearing about from Mass Republic this week. Up next, we have NXT and we are on the road to NXT in your house. That's going to be happening this Sunday, June 13th this week on, uh, NXT, some great matches, but also some, uh, big, uh, I would say storyline implications for in your house. Um, one of them being we officially have a winners take all match between Legado de Fantasma and MSK and Bronson Reed. That came when uh, Legado de Fantasma uh, came out to air their grievances, specifically Santos in both English and Spanish, ran down Bronson Reed, uh, blaming him for costing Raul Mendoza and, jo- and Joaquin Wilde the NXT Tag Team Championships, um, which I loved. He do, you know, the fact that he does his promos in both English and Spanish, and they are still so captivating. And I don't, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I feel again very fortunate that I understand both, but for those who may not be Spanish speakers, I hope you they feel that they are still understanding the logic. He's pretty much just repeating everything he says in Spanish and English, but I feel like he does it in a way that comes across still very captivating and strong. There's a good, strong energy for it as the resident. I don't speak a lot of Spanish guy. When I hear him do that, it just, like you said, I I'm aware that the context is probably he's saying the same thing. But it still makes me – I can feel the emotion of what he's doing when he's trying to challenge for a match. I can feel that he's hes being hot-blooded and, and uh, 
that that makes me excited because I don't know what he said, but I know that it, it must have been bad. Or when he's being suave and cool, I know I don't know what he said, but I know that I wish that I spoke Spanish at that point because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I think you're right. I yeah. I agree with your assessment. Mm-hmm. So the fun part about this uh, segment as well, when uh, Bronson Reed came out, he pretty much uh, replayed a part from last week's show when he railroaded uh, Santos Escobar right into the barricade. And I just played over and over and over again, really grinding Santos Escobar's gears. Um, to the point where Santos made the challenge. It's for a six, it's a six man tag winners take all. So the winners are not only going to win the NXT tag team titles, but also the North American championship, which does lead, you know, I mean, we say this all the time as far as our hopes for gold for Legado de Fantasma, but this would be an ideal way for all of them to win. Um, still keeping someone strong, whether it's, uh, Bronson Reed getting the pin so that way if MSK wins it, they are still looking strong or vice versa. But, um, this really tends to make you think that this could be the way that Legado de Fantasma gets all the gold. And that is something we've been advocating for, that we've been hoping for, that we've been talking about on this show for a long, long time now. So. It has been set up, but we'll have to wait and see what happens this weekend, uh, the Sunday at In Your House. We also had Dillian, uh, Killian Dane versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. This actually happened right after this segment with Legado de Fantasma. So, uh, Hit Row stared down Legado de Fantasma as one was leaving the other one coming down, which I would not be mad at a Hit Row versus Legado de Fantasma mm-hmm. feud. I'm, I'm for, all for it. But, um, this was a, a great match. It did have some interference by Hit Row, um, which they took out Drake Maverick and that caused a distraction, distraction for Killian Dane and that allowed Isaiah to hit, uh, the drop kick in the corner for the win. So Isaiah Swerve Scott has been doing great with Hit Row as the leader. Um, the faction works um, in this context, and it seems like they're only continuing to move forward. They're looking to go all the way up, so we'll see what happens with them. We also had a quick match between Mercedes Martinez and Cameron uh, Braun. Braun? I apologize for the pronunciation of this. This came, though, very interestingly, as Mercedes Martinez was coming out to the ring for her match. Zaya Lee attacked her out of nowhere. They fought, and then uh, Mercedes sent her out of the ring. And then she went into the ring, had her match, won it within, like, a minute using the air raid crash, and then, you know, looked into the camera and, and pretty much called out Zaya Lee. So that matchup... Mercedes Martinez versus Zaylee. We are getting this Sunday at In Your House. We also had the return of Io Shirai. This was after Candice LeRae called out Poppy, the musical artist, um, who came, who essentially somehow is now on this love triangle between Dexter Loomis uh, and um, oh, what is her name? Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Candice came out to call Poppy. Out Poppy, because Poppy hugged Dexter, who is Indy's sweetheart. Um, and then Poppy did come out saying that she doesn't wrestle, but she does have a friend who does, and that was Io Shirai. Again, this was also a pretty quick 
quick match with EO winning um, with the Tiger Kick. And it's great to see EO back. Um, this is really the first time we've seen her since uh, she lost the NXT Women's Championship. And, I mean, that is something, too, I thought we were going to see down the line maybe a rematch. Maybe not. Um, it's still very unclear where we're going to see EO in the mix, but um, she is such a pivotal part of, of the NXT Women's Division that at this point I wouldn't be mad if she's in a program with Candice or with Indy. Just to see her on NXT is uh, really a joy that we should all be thankful for. <laughs> um, also, we did have... Uh, Dakota Kai versus Ember Moon. And this is again the kind of a setup for, uh, the championship match that they're going to have, uh, uh, on Sunday at In Your House. And that was really more, again, between, um, Ember Moon and Dakota, or I'm sorry, Raquel Gonzalez. Um, and we did have a spot, uh, after the match, uh, Ember Moon won, um, via disqualification, of course. But, uh, after the match, um, Raquel Gonzalez came into the ring and gave her a big old foot to the face. And Raquel was going for the one-handed single-armed power bomb, but again, Moon countered that and was able to do that modified version of the Eclipse. So it still looks more like a stunner. So I'm not sure. So, uh, you know, again, Ember Moon was was you know on top at the end of that. So that means you know she's going to lose. It's just wrestling logic. Um, but we did see just a few glimpses of Raquel Gonzalez um, in the ring this week on NXT, and then the ending of NXT was a bit chaotic to say the least. There had been fighting all throughout the episode between all of the NXT title contenders, and that came to a head at the end of the show when Karrion Cross came out into the ring to call out all four other competitors of the match happening this week. That included Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, and Pete Dunn. Adam Cole was uh, there via video, um, well, until the end. Pretty much everyone brawled in the ring, and then as we thought, Karrion stood tall over everyone. Adam Cole came out of nowhere and attacked the champion. So um, a really fun way to end this week's NXT. And we will see that five-way match this Sunday at In Your House. Karrion Cross versus Adam Cole versus Pete Dunn versus Johnny Gargano versus Kylo, Kyle O'Reilly. Um, again, Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon for the NXT Women's Championship. A winner-takes-all six-man tag for the NXT Tag Team Champions and North American Championship. Bronson Reed and MSK versus Legado de Fantasma. Mercedes Martinez versus Saya Lee. And this is not very Lucha-related, but for anyone who is just a classic WWE fan, um, this is going to be interesting and could maybe steal the show. A million-dollar championship ladder match. Yes, the million-dollar championship is returning. <laughs> yes. Ted DiBiase did bring it back this week on NXT between Cameron Grimes and LA Knight, and it will be a ladder match. So uh, for any just, again, old-school fans, it is just uh, you know, one of those fun things. I think it could definitely be one of the, the show stealers at In Your House, but a very, very good card for this uh, Sunday. Um, again, on the WWE Network for those not in the United States, and then also, of course, on Peacock for everyone in the United States. 
And, of course, the results for NXT are available on LuchaCentral.com. Up next, Brendan, you have a Ring of Honor update. Uh, just a short one. Uh, we did have the opening rounds of Survival of the Fittest on Ring of Honor this week, which was the match between Flamita and Ray Horus. Uh, highly recommend it. It is uh, a fun match between two young luchadors that are really trying to make their mark on a show. Uh, mileage is going to vary on, on match pacing and technical things and some people will see things they don't like, but I, I do think that this was a, a good match between the two of them. Uh, Flamita did come out on top, so he will be in the, uh, survival of the fittest, uh, event, which is, uh, probably, I mean, you know, I, I, as much as I would love to have seen Ray Oris in it, uh, Flamita came out with his new evil personality. He's a demon or demonic Flamita. I can't remember which version of it. He's got a cool, like, demon guy intro going on. He's got this kind of badass-looking all-black gear. He looks bigger. He looks meaner. So uh that kind of uh, putting him uh, in Survival of the Fittest is kind of going to be a good thing to help him do better with this. Uh, and then next week, uh, it looks like LFI is off of the the naughty list because the graphic that I saw was uh, Dragon Lee and Kenny King versus Tracy Williams and Rhett Titus. So that is the, that is the team that took the tag team belt off of them when Kenny King was, or sorry, when Dragon Lee was unable to wrestle. So at the very least, this is a rematch of, of a pay-per-view match that was supposed to happen. And that alone has me excited, but we all know that we're building up with this LFI and the foundation stuff. So there's probably going to be a little bit of shenanigans. Tune in and find out. I also want to make a quick note about Women Division Wednesday. This week, the match was a tag match between Miranda Alize and Sumi Sakai versus Trish Adora and Maserati. Um, so uh, featured featuring Miranda Alize. And again, I mean, uh, Sumi Sakai as far as a tag team partner, but also a a wrestler i'm I'm sure is kind of a, a dream but um i have not seen the match of in full transparency but it is available on ring of honors youtube page again that is women division wednesday uh this week that's happening every wednesday on ring of honors youtube page Oh, right. Well, oh, uh, is that, is that, we had a hiccup? I don't think so. Okay. Um, good. I, okay. We've been, we've been dealing with some technical difficulties throughout this week. We're still, you know, slowly going through them, so we're not always sure. Uh, you guys won't know, uh, until you hear it, so we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. but you know what? Let's keep on rolling with this week in Lucha Libre history with Dusty. Yeah, that's right. Now it's time for This Week in Lucha Libre History. 
Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera. He's got information, birth dates, anniversaries, match of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre. And that's at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week, we chose June the 14th, 2015, when Angelico and Jack Evans, now known as TH2, wrestling for AEW, but at this point, they're wrestling for AAA, and they were known as Los Carros del Cielo, which literally means white guys of the sky. And they <laughs> challenged the black family of Dark Cuervo, Cuervo rather, and Dark Escoria in a hair versus hair apuestas match and a steel cage at Verano de Escondolo 2015. We told you Verano de Escondolo was going to be a theme tonight, so here's here's another <laughs> instance. But this was Verano de Escondolo was first held in the summer of 1997. AAA began holding a major wrestling show, what we would call a pay per view here, during the late summer, most often in September, that was called Verano de Escondolo, which literally means Summer of Scandal. And it was kind of a backlash event. It was an annual show every year from 1997 until 2011. They didn't hold any in 2012 or 13, but they brought it back in 2014. And this time they had moved it to June. But since in the time that it had been gone, they had also moved Triple Mania to August. So it kind of flip-flopped. It often features championship matches or apuestas matches. They were, you know, that was kind of the backlash to the Triple Mania before, but now it kind of sets up those big matches. It's more interesting, like it's the start of a big feud, but you still see a lot of Apoestis matches. And in Lucha Libre, the Apoestis match is considered more prestigious than a championship match. Mm -hmm. And most of the major shows for AAA feature some kind of Apoestis match. Um, it can be mask versus mask, mask versus hair, title versus mask. I mean, any anything you can imagine can be an Apoestis match. Conan, you know, infamously wrestled a, a retirement Apoestis match in 93. Um Anything counts, and a lot of those are at Verano de Escondolo. The 2015 Verano de Escondolo was the 17th show in the series, and for this match, the rules were that the first team that was out of the steel cage would be the winners, and the entire losing team would be losing their hair. And even though Angelico and Jack Evans were in this match, TH2 as we know them now, this was a bloodier and more intense match with brawling than you might expect with Angelico and Evans involved. There were some great spots where Jack Evans just had the chances to escape, but he appeared to not want to leave Angelico behind in the ring. And then eventually all four fought on top of the cage at the end, two on opposite sides of the ring. Scoria was fouled and took a low blow on the top of the cage by Angelico, and Cuervo was shoved off and fell through a table. There were actually two tables, but he just banged his head on one. Both he and Scoria took some scary-looking head bumps during yeah. the match. And uh, Cuervo and Scoria got most of their hair cut off in the ring, then asked he Jack Evans and Angelico for a handshake. Angelico and Evans accepted, and then La Secta turned on them and left. <laughs> and they appeared to get the rest of their hair cut off in the back. And, and Helico Jack Evans won the match. A lot of big spots. What did you think of it, Brendan? 
Um, yeah, so you, you, uh, kind of quickly covered over a lot of the, the, the parts that I found interesting. I really liked that spot where Jack Evans was all the way up. He really could have just gone out and been done with it, but he looked back, saw Angelico getting beat down, and did a crazy moonsault off the top of the cage into, into the, uh, the Cuervo, uh, the, the dark team, Cuervo and Scoria. Yes. Um, they, uh, they, they, so this match had been built up for a while. I do remember the build up on it. It was on TV a lot. Uh, the, um, the, the, the white boys were getting beat up a lot by these guys. And, uh, it was also to your, to the, to the dark thing there. It was no coincidence that, uh, Cuervo looked like the crow when he was, doing all of his makeup at this time. Yeah. Uh, like that was, you know, he was going for kind of that, that, that vengeful look. So I was, I was liking all of that, but I, I really liked that. Um, it was, it showed the, the, even though they were the Rudos, it showed the, the kind of significant significance and weight of the, uh, of the, the, the apuestas match where, they just sat there and took it as their hair was being cut, and then mm-hmm. then they afterwards they went, okay, we still don't like you, but they they didn't like. Uh, there have been a couple times when they did it, like Art Bar tried to argue when he was going to get his hair cut, um, but he did eventually get his hair cut. I mean, you know, and he put on a big show, but that, it's big, it's bigger heels that do that, and people that want to be. Or, or Rudos, uh, it, it's people that want, that are, are really into working the crowd. Otherwise, they're more into this mystique of, well, I lost, so I'm gonna take this. And that's, that's, I really like that part of it. Um, Miranda, you have some thoughts, right? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you have those huevos de cielo as far as, you know, they're usually more acrobatic because they weren't in this match. And I think it was because it was a cage match that limited their ability to do that. And also the fact that, uh, you know, Cuervo and uh, Socoria's uh, style is, again, darker, grittier, uh, more brutal. Uh, they had to adapt to that. And so I just thinking of all the chair shots. I mean, those are hard Ooh. chairs. Yeah. Those are steel yeah. metal hard chairs. Um, the table spots. I mean, this wasn't kind of like your fast paced back and forth, you know, flippy stuff match. Like it was very much more of a traditional cage match, which I really you know, commended uh, Angelico and Jack Evans for being able to go through because that is not their, uh, uh, I don't want to say strong suit because, I mean, they do well in those matches, but that is not their uh, typical cup of tea. Um, uh, I mean, they've done it before as far as we've seen them, you know, in cage matches, but this one wasn't one where they utilized the cage for air outside of a, a spot. Uh, and, and that, I think that one spot with that moonsault, which was beautiful. Um, and so cool. I actually felt like that was the moment in the match that really turned the tide for yeah. Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, but for the most part, they were grounded. They were being brutally hit with not only fists, but, you know, chairs. 
And I think that really it, it was to their detriment, but just that moment with the moonsault and the tie turning for the end for them. And then uh, once that big table spot towards the end happened where they were both able to, you know, get down the steel cage. Um, I just like seeing him in a different element um, and in a different style of match. And again, commend them for, you know, being able to, to do that. Yeah. But- we uh we talk a bit about it but not enough that they they actually do have quite a bit of versatility as a team and as individuals like we know Jack Evans loves to do the flippy stuff when i talked to him in person and i told him that he grew up not too far away from where i grew up the first thing out of his mouth was i did the most incredible dive off of the top of one of the buildings at the school that you went to like so that's where his mind is at but he mm-hmm. also he also is lucha trained, so he's got technical aspects to it, to him. He's uh, he he's uh, traditionally trained in American style, so he can do he can do uh, slow working the crowd, carny style to you know I mean and and then uh, Mexico made them both kind of adapt to that that more kind of violent style of match because they were very popular in AAA at the time. Like, you know, it didn't, you didn't need Verano de Escandolo to have a match that was that brutal. Like, that was on TV, like, every week, and the fans were eating it up. They did, in earlier parts of that feud, they were wrestling a good technical match, and they beat the Cuervo and Scoria with high-flying techniques and all of that sort of fun stuff, but they were immediately beaten back down right afterward, so that, that leads to this kind of feud ending style of match where you have an apuesta. Yeah. Well, well, don't forget to find this day in Lucha Libre at LuchaCentral.com. But there's so much more that you can find on LuchaCentral.com. So, Brendan, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what else they can find? Well, sure. So, I mean... If you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it really, really is time to do it. Uh, LuchaCentral.com is your online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives and all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And here we go. Here we go. This is it. This is the, the topper. It's free. I mean, you can't beat that price. No, it's my favorite price. It's the best <laughs> price ever. We, we're never going to stop celebrating that price. As long as Lucha Central is free, we're going to always be reminding you it's free. Yep. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Dusty, why don't you tell us what happened this week in SmackDown and Raw? Yeah, well, first up on SmackDown, like, there, it, it was good and it was bad. First up, I mean, like, well, first up, both up, both things on SmackDown, we had the Mysterios versus the Usos. First up, we had the Mysterios versus the Usos in our opening match on SmackDown. We really had a fun match going. Uh, Dominic picked up the win against Jimmy after countering the Usos splash into a victory roll, but it was a dusty finish. 
Jimmy's shoulder was off the mat, and backstage, <laughs> Roman was pissed. He yelled at the Usos. He didn't want any excuses. He told them that they lost to a child out there, and they had embarrassed <laughs> their family. Like, it was so good, so intense, but I just wish it hadn't been against the Mysterio's personal choice, but this was a good angle. The Usos go see Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville to get their rematch. They want a rematch tonight, and so they get their rematch in the main event, our second tag team championship match of the night, and this match was going really well. It you know, was headed towards a second win for the Mysterios, but then Roman showed up and he super punched the shit out of Dominic and caused a <laughs> disqualification finish. And then he sp- he did though, and then That's he speared so Ray, and he then he beat the crap out of Dominic some more single handedly. Jimmy was so objected to it, the whole thing. He didn't like it, and he left. But Roman and Jay stuck around, and they power bombed Dominic at the end, setting up what seems to be a match between Ray and Roman for Hell in a Cell. I'm super excited for that. Ray works so well with some of these bigger guys that know how to work and. I think his match with Roman will be great. I don't know that I expect it to go very far because the rumor right now is that Roman will be facing John Cena at SummerSlam in August. So this will probably just be their next pay-per-view feud. But, man, Rey Mysterio in the main event still exciting. I yeah. mean, still a lot of fun, a lot of elevation for Dominic. Dominic got the pin in the first match. Just very cool. SmackDown is, you know, slowly getting better. Raw, not so much, but SmackDown is getting better. <laughs> and Raw, we first up, we had Lucha House Party announced for the Tag Team Battle Royale. When we get to the Battle Royale, it's only Lindsay. I did not catch the very beginning of it, like the lead-ins. They may have announced why Grand Metalik wasn't there, but I did not catch that. And did not see it anywhere. Nobody, when I asked around, seemed to know. So maybe they just left it alone. But we also had John Morrison entering alone on behalf of his team. And I don't know. John Morrison's placement in the match was interesting. He eliminates Lince Dorado pretty much first thing. Lince's the first guy eliminated. He sprays him with the drip stick. And then he takes on Retribution. And despite hitting Mace Retribution with the dripstick drip spray and trying his damnedest, he was still eliminated by Retribution. And then the Viking Raiders picked up the eventual win and the Tag Team Battle Royale. There wasn't a whole lot of Lucha content for this match, honestly. But I do have to give a special shout-out to the intro with Miz sliding down the ramp in a wheelchair. Morrison was wheeling his wheelchair out and kind of did his intro. And the Miz just rolled down the ramp. He looked horrified. It played out in slow motion. And it was amazing. Like... I, I I know I was being worked, but I wanted to believe. Like he just looked terrified as that wheelchair went down the ramp. <laughs> it was amazing, and and the Miz played his part. John Morrison, uh, we mentioned this throughout the Damian Priest feud, but they are just so on fire with their character work right now. Everything they do, there's something golden in every match where you're just so excited and so amused and just entertained by these guys. And I'm so happy to see them. And see the Miz back. And then our second match of the night, we had Ricochet versus Humberto. Great match. It had, I mean, this was a really great match before the 
the spot. They, Sheamus had been in the ring. He's got a face mask on, broken nose. They circled like they were going to attack Sheamus and just kind of played with them, like a couple of cats playing with the mouse. When we came back from commercial, they had a match. There was a brutal Spanish fly from the apron onto the floor that caused a double count out. But my main complaint about this match, the match itself was fantastic. The double countout made sense. I liked the whole thing. But this was our second countout in a row. The mm. previous match was Jackson Riker versus Elias, and Elias walked away, and the match ends in the countout. So we have our second countout of the night, second countout in a row. How long has it been since we saw a countout on Raw? It's been a while, and so it just felt lazy and sloppy and took some of the impact of the double countout away for me. Seamus was laughing at the end, ostensibly at Ricochet and Umberto Carrillo, but I think he was laughing at us, the viewers, for having watched another episode of Raw. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're at least getting to see the luchadors in use. For so long, if you wanted to see Ricochet or Umberto, you had to check out main events. So at least they're on Dynamite. They've got something for them maybe Seamus's injury will kind of be a a golden moment where these guys are able to go out on their own without him and really show people what they can do they were on their way before the spanish fly and the spanish fly i i've mentioned this just recently you know just a second ago but the spanish fly spot looked amazing and it looked brutal i mean it's from the apron to the floor and i just don't know how to explain the count out seemed a little feigned but the spot itself was fantastic and i highly recommend everybody at least youtube the match so they can see that spot it was great Of course, you can find clips on YouTube, but you can also get results on LuchaCentral.com for this week's SmackDown and Raw. Up next, we have news from the NWA. This past uh, weekend, they had their recent pay-per-view, When Our Shadows Fall, and we had some results for that. Uh, as far as our two Lucha-centric or Lucha-adjacent matches... Uh, first, we had Thunder Rosa and Valina versus Kylie Ray and Taryn Terrell. Um, in this match, now, this is kind of an, an interesting way of how a match ends, but um, in this match, Thunder Rosa got really, really aggressive, and she picked up Taryn Terrell and carried her backstage. Essentially, like, hulked out, got super mad, and, and used her strength to carry her backstage. That left Kylie Ray and Melina out in the ring, and in an interesting turn as far as by grabbing the tights to secure a roll-up win, um, which is not much of a babyface move for Kylie Ray, but who knows, you know, if this is just meant to be more of a comical thing or maybe some revenge on Melina, who knows. Uh, but Kylie Ray and Taryn Terrell win that match uh, via pinfall. And then we had uh, the uh, four-way tag team match, um, the end with uh, Edison and Pero versus Sam Rudo and Sal Renaro, uh, Marsh Rocket and Slice Boogie uh, facing off against Bestia uh, 6 Wolf 450. Um, they have been known as La Rebellion um, as far as a tag name. And this one ended with the win by Bestia and Mega Wolf, which is kind of a, a shock 
talk. Um, to be honest, uh, they've been really putting over the end as a big tag team. So the fact that they won was a bit of a, a of a shock. Mecca Wolf got the win with a 450 splash on Rocket. Um, and really it was somewhat of a chaotic match as far as a series of dives outside of the ring uh, by La Rebellion. That carried over into this week's power where that match, a rematch between La Rebellion and The End, ended in a no contest when a series of stereo suicide dives, um, or La Rebellion landed a series of sewer, or some stereo suicide dives, and they took the brawl backstage, so it was a no contest, uh, a double countout, however you want to call it. We didn't have a conclusion to that match, so it looks like we're going to be seeing, seeing this feud being the prevalent tag team feud outside of the tag team championships, um, which is great because it seems like the, we're going to have La Rebellion as a part of NWA. Um, also announced this week on Power was a pretty big blockbuster announcement made by uh, Billy Corgan and Mickey James appeared. Um, the NWA is going to be making their return to St. Louis this August for a series of tapings, um, the 28th of August through the 31st. Saturday, August 28th, they announced that they are going to be having their first all-women's pay-per-view show that is going to be executive produced by Mickey James. That a show for the name hasn't been announced yet, but Mickey James indicated that this was a, a dream of hers to not only be a part of the NWA, to, but to have uh, such a role as an executive producer of a women's show. And again, this is, you know, out of the norm for NWA, this is their very first all-women show. Um, but there's a lot of talent to choose from out there. They already have some of their established talent, including their new NWA women's champion, Camille, which I I imagine, you know, we'll probably headline that show. Um, but, of course, you have Thunder Rosa there. Um, Melina, Kylie Ray may be a regular staple. Taryn Terrell. Uh, Jenna Side was someone who also made her presence known. Uh, Lady Frost uh, recently made her presence known as well. So they already have somewhat of a buildup that they're doing. And there's a lot of talent out there that they can start looking at over the next few uh, weeks and months as they head to August. 28th. They're also going to have another pay-per-view on Sunday, August 29th from the Chase Ballroom called NWA 73. And that is going to be an anniversary show slash tribute to the original home of the NWA. Um, and so that definitely is going to probably give you more of that historic NWA feel more of the old school feels for that show and, and honoring and celebrating the history of the NWA. And then they're going to have TV tapings on Monday, August 30th and Tuesday, August 31st. So NWA going out of Atlanta, going out of their studios to St. Louis, which is pretty, pretty big for them. That's that getting back out there sort of thing. They had originally mm -hmm. been making plans before lockdown to start traveling about a little bit so excited it's finally happening mm -hmm. yes they have not announced uh, any ticket information yet so that's something to stay tuned we do not know if they're going to have an audience there the capacity any of that um signs point to yes but we will have to wait and see what tickets look like for those shows speaking of tickets impact wrestling 
Tickets for Slammiversary have already sold out. They sold out in less than 24 hours after uh, tickets were announced as available for Slammiversary. Um, so if you were looking to go to Slammiversary, sorry. Uh, but they did announce that there may be some kind of other opportunity for people to attend. They haven't announced yet if that's a, a, essentially more tickets that are going to be available or some kind of virtual experience that people will be will be able to be a part of. Again, they announced there will be an opportunity for fans to attend the show, but they're going to announce that in the future. So don't know exactly what that looks like, but we will wait and see. In the meantime, we have Against All Odds coming up this Saturday, June 12th. Before we get into Against All Odds, I do want to get into this week in Impact because some big news opened the show. Uh, the AEW Impact Wrestling Summit, as it was called, started off the show. And that's when you had... Uh, uh, Scott Demore and Tony Khan, representatives of their respective companies, and Don Callis, who's a little bit of both, all come in to talk about the upcoming main event for Against All Odds, Moose versus Kenny Omega. And in that summit, it was announced, Tony Khan announced that this match between Moose and Kenny Omega for the Impact Championship will be held at Daly's Place in um in florida uh in jacksonville so that's a, a pretty big deal i think it's a few pay-per-views too late but whatever um <laughs> i guess better late than never it is interesting because i don't know if they're having a saturday show there and it's going to be part of that is it just a one-off like is it going to be empty arena what is that going to look like um but we are going to have moose and kenny omega at daily's place in jacksonville and the winner of that match will face Sammy Callahan at Slammiversary. So very interesting results there. Kenny Omega, the walls are closing in on you, brother. I don't know how. I mean, you have the, the Mega Championship getting in defense coming up. Uh, of course, the Impact Championship defense coming yeah. up in just a few days. Uh, and then um, another AEW World title uh, defense, I'm sure, coming up very, very soon. Uh Jungle Boy is the next in line. He'll be mm -hmm. on the special Saturday episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this may so that will be so this is the Saturday episode happening this Saturday? I think that's what they said. I didn't catch the date. I just remembered they said our special episode on yeah. Saturday. So Okay. So so this so then they will have an audience there because uh against all odds is happening this Saturday. Um but that means that it, they will probably be filming this either before or after their Saturday show. It sounds like maybe after. I don't know. Um, so that's interesting. So they will have a live audience there. Um, and, and so it does seem to go in conjunction with what they're doing on Saturday. Um, going back to this week, uh, Impact ended in a no disqualification match between W. Morrissey and Willie Mack. Um, this match had an exchange of chair shots and chain shots as well. There's one uh, clip that I saw in which Willie Mack just hit W. Morrissey with a steel chair, and you could see his body vibrating from the chair shot. Um, w. Morrissey won with the big boot, 
And he was going to continue to beat up on Willie Mac until Rich Swan came out and made the save. Um, and so that match, as far as W. Morrissey and Rich Swan, is happening this Saturday at Against All Odds. Other matches happening, um, we will see a five-way match to determine the number one contender for the Impact X Division Championship. P.D. Williams versus Trey Miguel versus Ace Austin versus Chris Bay versus Rohit Raju. The Knockouts Tag Team titles are going to be on the line with champions uh, Kiara Hogan and Tasha Steeles versus Kimberly and Susan. Uh, the Impact World Tag Team Championships are going to be on the line. Violent by Design, being represented by Diener and Rhino, are going to be facing Decay, Black Taurus, and Crazy Steve. So this will be Black Taurus's first opportunity at And we have the Knocked Out uh, Championship match, Deanna Parasso versus Rosemary. Um, that and much more happening this Saturday at Against All Odds. But going in the theme of this week with Verano de Escándalo, it was also recently announced that Diana Parasso is going to be making her AAA debut at Verano de Escándalo versus Lady Shawnee. And this through a online beef, you would say, or a series of videos that came out in which Lady Shawnee challenged Diana Parasso to a match. Um, and it was accepted. So that is going to be, um, Deanna Parasso's first match at AAA prior to Triple Mania against Lady Shawnee. So that is already on the radar. That should already be such a good match. Both of them are very technical, um, Yave style, hold style, uh, wrestlers. So I am super interested in seeing what that looks like. All right. So that leaves us with this week's MLW, our final story of the night. And, of course, things are getting busy in MLW with the open draft. Week four of the draft happened this week, of course, because it's week four of the open draft. And we had a new signee. And this is going to be interesting as I talk a little bit more about it, but Adi's. The Master of Strange Style has been signed, but the way that they talked about it was specifically to Azteca Underground. He was drafted by Cesar Duran and is now part of Azteca Underground. This was specifically mentioned um, with Alicia Atut's announcement, but also how it was phrased on MLW's Twitter. So this is now leading to even more thoughts and speculation that Azteca Underground may be its own entity, its own show. Um, Adi's is, uh, someone very familiar for U.S. fans, especially out in Chicago. He's recently wrestled at Galley Lucha Libre and Warrior Wrestling, and of course has been a staple in AAA. Uh, Dusty and Brennan, I just want to get your thoughts. Again, uh, another Lucha Libre signing for MLW slash Azteca Underground. Um, you know, what, what can fans expect from, from Addis and what are your guys' thoughts as well on, um, this continued speculation of Azteca Underground? Uh, so as far as, as style comparisons go, American fans would most likely be able to relate him to, uh, Phoenix around Lucha Underground. He's, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's a younger guy that's kind of developing that, that high flyer style and looking for his unique, uh, his unique applications of it. 
so you're you're gonna see more like that Lucha Underground where he's still gonna be experimenting with things. Um, Dustin, go ahead. I know you've probably seen a lot of him too. Yeah, I mean that's a that's an excellent description. And I also interesting. I believe I've heard him say before that his maestro was Blue Demon Jr. Yes, that and, was uh, announced uh, as far as one of the few facts about him during the open draft. And I I really am excited by the Azteca Underground thing. I don't yeah. know what it means for the Lucha Libre Full Media Ventures and AAA lawsuit. But MLW must be pretty confident to be doing all this right now, and so I'm super excited. If somebody could – I mean, MLW has proven what they can do with the, the wrestlers they've got and how exciting their content can be. You know, just their product is very exciting, and I've been more excited by the Azteca Underground thing than I have since Lucha Underground was around. It's the most exciting new thing to me. So I, I'm really looking forward to this. And their signings show that they really have an eye for quality in their mm-hmm. talent. Not just talent, but quality talent. Yes. Yeah. They aren't grabbing any luchador. They're grabbing the Correct. ones that have something. But I, yeah, I, the I, cream I, of the crop. Yeah. I'm with, with Dusty on this. Uh, this being the first official, we're going to have an Azteca underground promotion or – sub-promotion or whatever they're going to do kind of announcement where they said that specifically he is Azteca Underground um, makes me much more intrigued as to what they're going to do with this. Um, I'm going to bring it up again. There's rumors that they want to have a second television show, so maybe that will be Azteca Underground focused, and and, uh, I'm all about that if that's the case. All about it. And I love the good thing is going to be such a different product, and I think that's what makes it work in a way when you have, and maybe that's what the struggle is with some fans with WWE, Raw, and SmackDown, that there are some differences in product, but not really. You feel like you're watching kind of the same show again, just one's shorter than the other, one's longer than the other. But I feel like this, you can have a very distinct difference between MLW Fusion and Azteca Underground. Um, not only in the filming, but in the wrestling style and storylines. And you can always blend them in and out. But I feel like because it's going to be such a distinct product, fans are going to be able to watch both on a weekly basis and feel like, you know, if you want more of your traditional wrestling, you can watch Fusion. But if you want Lucha Libre, go to Aztec yeah. Underground. And, and um Yeah. And then the opposite is true as well. Like the Lucha fans can just watch the Azteca Underground yeah. and not feel like they have to watch um, the uh, the the other the other product and and or miss something, right? So yeah, I, I that's not how I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch both shows. Yeah, that's, I'm watch both. that's why I said I'm going to watch both shows. But you're absolutely right. For someone maybe who, and I think that's what we try and do. On the Lucha Central Weekly podcast, we've talked about this off air and we try and convey this in what we do every week. But there are hints of Lucha Libre with every promotion in in professional wrestling, especially in North American wrestling. There's hints of it. Um, but you have to then sit through a whole show in order to get it. This allows you to just get the Lucha Libre you want and kind of negate <laughs> anything else that you don't want to watch. Um, or again, maybe if you're an MLW fan 
and you are intrigued by this, you have Azteca Underground. If on the flip side, you are a Lucha Underground fan and you haven't watched MLW before, this may incentivize you to, to watch both. So, I mean, uh, July 10th cannot come soon enough. It's coming pretty soon. We're, we're literally 30 days away as a recording of this show. Coming so in hot. Coming in hot. Um, <laughs> And with that, though, we also got some major announcements from MLW as far as their future plans and their July 10th show. One of the announcements is that they're going to be running that show at full capacity. So that is very big news compared to lots of other promotions who have been running at a limited capacity. They announced they're going to be opening up more tickets and they're running at full capacity at the 2300 Arena. Um so, I mean, that's, it's big. Uh, definitely eyes are going to be on MLW to see that arena as full as it can be. That's going to be a strange sight, um, for, for lots of people. So, uh, th- more tickets uh, apparently will be available and they're running at full capacity. Also, the, they are going to be doing the Battle Riot 3 is also going to be taking place on July 10th in Philadelphia. It is a 40-man Royal Rumble type uh, of match where eliminations can occur by pinfall, submission, or over-the-top rope. There are no DQs, and the winner earns an MLW World Championship match. So this is taking a, a Rumble and elevating it to a whole new level. They did announce the first uh, competitor for Battle Riot is none other than national openweight champion Alexander Hammerstone, um, and they're going to be announcing more entrants. Uh, so, I mean, it's great that they're also doing these uh, new signees because they're going to need 40 people in this rumble, and uh, they're going to need to build up that roster. So that also means it is very likely we can see talent that are maybe going to be more exclusively Azteca Underground in this battle riot, it actually could be a great way to introduce them. And it could also then start that division between MLW and Azteca Underground. So the build up to this, everyone, is great. I'm loving it. I'm thrilled with it. I I have high hopes and expectations for this. Um, It's just going to, I just, I'm happy with it. I'm totally happy with it. What are kind of your guys' last thoughts uh, on all of this MLW news? I'm excited. I am just everything they announced has just been so exciting to me. Yeah. And like I mentioned, the the quality. I, I did forget to mention. I do believe that Armies and Aries are Gali Tag Team Champions right yes. now. And yes. So I definitely wanted to mention that. But I I'm excited. You know, everything about the announcements, like I mentioned, makes it sound like Azteca is going to be its own promotion. And a Lucha Libre promotion with the kind of production values that MLW already has is exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm really like that's where I'm excited to have. Uh, so to have something either Lucha or Lucha Underground because let's be fair, Lucha Underground is not really a true Lucha show. It was kind of exploring, bringing a lot of new ground itself. That's true. Uh, uh, so, uh, but either one, because I enjoyed Lucha Underground a lot, and obviously I'm here, so I enjoy Lucha. So, uh, I, I, that is the part that has me excited, and, and I can't, I can't wait to see how it shapes up. I can't wait to see what they do with it, and, and, uh, 
we still got a few more announcements to go. There's still a few indie stars out there from the Lucha world that they could announce. And uh, this signing in particular makes me think that it's much more plausible that we get some of these these other uh, indie guys that, uh, like, I don't want to say they'll take a chance on them. But as far as an American audience would go, it would normally be considered taking a chance on them because you don't know how a luchador is going to do in front of an American crowd. But if Correct. you give them a lucha show, you it's not it's not really a big risk at all. Because, yeah, the expectations yeah. are a lot more pal- palatable and and you know, <laughs> set. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, so the open draft continues uh, throughout the next few weeks. Uh, the uh, date for their Philadelphia show um, is July 10th. Um, so again, it's it's happening soon in just 30 days, and Battle Riot 3 will be happening. Um, so just yeah, I'm just thrilled. This is great. I love it. Keep on doing <laughs> last, it, both of you. Last year's Battle Riot is on the YouTube channel. It was quite the spectacle. Yes. So yes. <laughs> L.A. Park is a former Battle Riot winner. So yeah. Yeah, history maybe, is all there. Maybe, maybe one of the boys will win this year. Maybe one of Los Hijos. Cool. <laughs> part of the familia. Who knows? Who knows? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this week's Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can also check out Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram, and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. You got to check out the YouTube page. Not only can you find previous episodes of this podcast and other podcasts, you can find exclusive interviews, matches, and other content on the YouTube page. Hours and hours of content just for you, and it's all for free. While you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you? I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy and Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321, the numbers, 321, and then T-Shirt Guy. So 321 T-Shirt Guy. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I'm on Twitter, like, all the time. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out, Instagram and Facebook, the hashtag Miranda. Again, if you are an independent wrestling fan, promotion, luchador, feel free to reach out to us, but especially 321 T-shirt guy with any clips and information on uh, independent shows. Again, as much as we can, we'd love to cover independent wrestling. But as you can tell, too, things are heating up. Shows are happening again. They're having live fans. Everyone is is starting something up. Um, so we we may have less time for that in the future. So make sure you get your promotion in before we run out uh, of time. So thank you all so much for listening. <laughs>